You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopolies through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Listeners, welcome to the Renegade Economist show. This week we have a special guest. We have Simon Tennant. He is the director of the ACT government's affordable housing plan. And as I've mentioned many times on the show and many times around the country giving public presentations, I'm a big supporter of the Canberra Land Rent Initiative. And Simon's uh, uh, responsible for that uh, innovative program. So, Simon, welcome to the show. Can you give us an overview of what the Canberra Land Rent Initiative uh, is about? Yes. Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me on. Um, the Land Rent Initiative uh, was spawned nine years ago as part of the ACT government's much wider affordable housing action plan. Back in 2007, it was right at the peak of uh, what was quite considerable increases in house and land costs, as well as a fairly difficult interest rate environment, and certainly housing affordability was capturing plenty of front page attention. So there was an action plan put in place, uh, 97 objectives over three phases of the plan, but one of the more successful ones has certainly been the land rent initiative. Now, it's a simple and fairly straightforward proposition in that the land in the ACT, as it's released, starts out as unleased territory land. So it's land that is released by the government. Hence, then we can then provide the opportunity to, rather than purchase the land outright, uh, engage in a in a rental contract. And in simple terms, it certainly lowers the barrier of entry. And it has, uh, in the last nine years, got around 1,800 new people into the market. 1,800, that's a, a fairly significant number in terms of first homeowners as a percentage. What would it be ranking up there? In terms of first home buyers, I guess the beauty of the, of the, of the land rent scheme, certainly it's in its first iteration, was it was available to everybody. And I think that was an acknowledgement that, um, that even trade-up buyers face uh, all sorts of affordability challenges, particularly as they're life situation changes as they uh, form families and so forth. Certainly the uh, the price of land has been increasing at, at, at a rate well above inflation here in the ACT due to various reasons. But the 1800 has made a significant impact, uh, particularly for those that have been locked into what is a, a very high-priced rental market here in the ACT as well. I mean, essentially for the same sort of money, people are making the jump across to yeah, a form of home ownership. Obviously, you're only renting the land, but certainly uh, you, know, you are building equity through a, a standard mortgage that you then take out just on the house uh, only. Yes, and uh, that's just ever so important because whatever you pay in land rent uh, comes off the, the purchasing price, the amount you have to borrow from the banks. So uh, that leads to uh, huge savings over 25-30-year mortgages. That is true. And I mean, just the simple maths, and I think we talk, you know, average land prices of, of say, you know, $350,000. I mean, just on that alone, at a 2% per annum rent, you're looking at around about $7,000 in payments to rent the land. And the typical build cost on these sorts of properties as well that we're seeing in land rent is up around two hundred to $250,000. So certainly that's a far more manageable mortgage uh, than what you would get if you were combining the total amounts of both, where you're up around 
$500,000 for the combined purchase. So it is a an excellent uh, leg up into the market, very low barrier to entry. There's no deposit paid when you take out a land rent contract. It's just purely an arrangement that you then take on with uh, one of uh, three financiers here in the ACT. And um, yeah, those financiers are certainly seeing the benefits of land rent as well as, um, as more and more people are, are attracted to it. Okay, so that, just to reiterate for listeners, uh, this means you're not paying interest on some $350,000, the land component, but you would be paying a 2% land rent fee on that to government over time. So uh, yeah, that's $7,000 you're paying is probably a lot, lot less than uh, if you're borrowing from the bank, um, yeah, add another 4% to that. So uh, That's exactly right, yep. Yeah, so um, on top of that actual yearly saving, has there been any numbers done on how this has affected land prices themselves? Have uh, land prices come down by that associated uh, payment for the land leasage fee? Now, look, there, there hasn't really been any correlation between, I guess, the number of land rent contracts that have been issued and prices in general. It's hard to distill out of the land price numbers the effects of various things. In the ACT, for example, we've had an inordinate amount of trouble getting land out to the market for all sorts of different reasons, be it um, environmental issues that have held up considerable number, a considerable number of suburbs across the ACT. Um, in just getting planning approval through. So there's certainly been quite a lot of pent-up demand for detached blocks of land. And so it's really hard to tell the effects of each one of those um, individual circumstances. But what we do know is that um, you know, as we take properties to market and as we take estates to market and when we do offer land rent, uh, there continues to be a, a very, very high level of interest and a high level of uptake. So it's a it's clearly something that the market is is pleased to have. We're talking to Simon Tennant from the ACT government. He's the director of the housing affordability plan there. And in particular, we're delving into the details of a topic I've talked about many times, the Canberra Land Rent Initiative. And Simon, my listeners would be reasonably well versed over the last nine years of broadcast that uh, as you pay a land rent, it does affect the land price. So as um, I push you on this, uh, with one of, one of the, the most important aspects to a land leasehold system is the yearly valuation of, la- of the locational value, the land price. And so mm-hmm. I suppose the detail I'm, I'm pushing for here is, are the land valuations for the, the 1800 uh, first home uh, land rent initiative uh, leasees, sorry, I'm not sure the exact term you use there, but uh, are those land values uh, lower than those outside the land rent initiative? They're not. They're, they're pretty much exactly the same. So in terms of the valuations on the land, um, land rent is only available to eligible purchases, which is a which in economics terms is is a small proportion of a larger buying pool. Um, all of the land is is valued together, regardless of whether it's going out the door as a land rent property or otherwise. Um, the land, for all intents and purposes, just looks like every other block of land. Uh, you get the option up front of whether you want to take it on as a land rent contract or at a full market rate. Um, so. From a valuation perspective, there's virtually no difference whatsoever. 
Um, the key thing is it's, it's, it's only available on detached blocks of land. It's not available on multi-unit um, sites and it's only available for the land development agency. It's not available on land that the government sell to what we describe as in globo developers. So there's a, a certain proportion of land that goes out the door to private developers to then on sell. Uh, this is strictly a government managed LDA initiative. Uh, and again, with respect to valuations, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's no real distinguishing feature between a land rent block or otherwise, basically because we offer land rent on every block that we send out the door to an eligible purchaser. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, perspective, as I would have thought that the uh, $7,000 yearly payment over 25 years equals about 175000 I thought that might have come off the land price itself so that the land leasage fee was a bit lower. No, it doesn't. And importantly, and that's an, it's an important distinguishing feature of land rent. It's not a shared equity type product. Your rent payments are not in any way paying off the land. Uh, the land retains its value and indeed it's indexed each year according to the valuer general. At any time you may choose to pay out the full contract uh, and take on the land as part of your mortgage as well and we're seeing that quite a lot as well. As people's employment circumstances change and as they improve uh, we're seeing a lot of people convert their land rent leases just to full crown leases. So again We've promoted it as a uh, another pathway into home ownership, and indeed that's exactly how it's playing out. There were some teething problems with the land rent program. We were offering a, a two-tiered system whereby uh, we were offering a 2% payment on the unimproved value per annum to those eligible buyers on certain incomes. I think the income, income threshold was about 180000 or less. For those over that, land rent was available at 4%. Now, unfortunately, there was a skewing of, uh, I guess, the market where we saw quite a lot of builders take on land, uh, no deposit down, and it turned into another way of, I guess, just getting their hands on many, many blocks and then not being forced to make a decision on them. It was pretty clear that, um, you know, that the industry weren't necessarily acting as we imagined they would. Um, so it was uh, 2013 when we got rid of the 4% tiered land rent option and now it's just strictly uh, the much uh, lower percentage rate but again it's lower percentage because we're targeting it to those on a defined income. Simon that's a, a very interesting uh, reporting there so you're saying that builders were holding the land paying some $14,000 a year in land lease fees and that wasn't enough to encourage productive use of, of that land site they were still holding it in the hope of expected future capital gains. Yes, look, I mean, there were many reasons why these, these blocks were held. Some of them may have been sort of speculative in nature. Others uh, you know, might have been just the, the, the financial structure or the business operations of the company itself may not have had the required capital to, to produce something on the block and, and release it to market. I think it was certainly a show of good faith by the government to the building industry to say, you know, we're also you know trying to do something about the way that you might pass on housing affordability, because certainly, I mean, without land rent for builders, they pay full market rate, and then they've got to pay the servicing costs on that land as the as the uh, the, the dwelling is constructed. This was an opportunity for them to pay no holding costs and pass the savings on. And while many did, there were some, you know, for various reasons, that were not able to do that. So, 
I think, you know, like with any government program, they evolve over time. The market responds in different ways. And, uh, and now we think we've got the mix right. And it's certainly showing up now with, um, with the, the level of interest um, for that very specific uh, option of land rent for those on $180,000 or less, those that haven't owned a, owned a property before uh, and are now um, you know, getting that extra step that they need to get up into home ownership out of the, the, the relatively high-priced private rental market here in the ACT. Mm, very interesting, yes, and uh, you know we certainly commend the ACT government for uh, um, stepping back, if you will, to your uh, legacy of uh, leasehold payments. Of course, uh, the city of Canberra was built using land lease uh, finances, and uh, Walter Burley Griffin uh, was uh, uh, not only designed the city, but also uh, was a prominent figure in ensuring that those who lived in the best locations paid a little bit more in terms of their land lease fee. Um, in terms of that uh, that fee total, that's a reasonable earner if you've got eighteen hundred people paying uh, households paying seven thousand a year. That's over twelve million, twelve and a half million dollars a year. That must be um, uh, pleasing some people in Treasury. There is a nice um, money earner for government. Sure, and I know that uh, the suggestion that the that the government makes money off anything is always a sensitive one. But um, yeah, the, the bottom line is that um, yeah, the 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 revenue base here in the ACT is fairly narrow. Uh, we certainly know the uh, the the effects of some of the changes to GST funding and health funding that's occurred at the federal level, which has put further pressure on the the purse here in the ACT. So certainly, you know, we make make no bones about the fact that to keep the city running. Uh, for our high-level health care and amenity and certainly our, 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 our um, infrastructure. Um, it comes at a cost and, uh, you know, we've uh, brought in quite considerable tax changes uh, with respect to stamp duty um, reductions and, uh, and I guess the widening of the rates base. But, but land revenues will, will continue to play a very important role in funding education and, and the health sector, which are, uh, are um, in, in very good shape here in the ACT. And, and pay for the amenity that many uh, well, most Canberrans enjoy. And that's right, isn't it, that we should have this relationship with government where uh, in order to receive these high quality services we pay something back according to our locational advantage and I think this is something that the Land Rent Initiative uh, offers uh, for uh, people to link between past history of, of Canberra and its building to today and, and recognising that perhaps user pays uh, whilst it's received a lot of um, uh, prominence in the media is is uh, a regressive measure and, and um, this form of revenue raising where I dare say those people who live within the best locations in within the Canberra Land Rent Initiative would pay more than those who who live near the highway for example. That is true. The, the uh, spread of valuations across the ACT are, are typical of any city and any, any free market obviously those that are well located in, in um, areas close to the central business district here um, face uh, typically higher rates compared to those who are out on the fringe and I think that's just a reflection of, um, of sort of the, the demand and, uh, and supply of, of land opportunities in any, any normal city.
Well, and it's very interesting that it's a dispersed program. Um, I had read that uh, the suburb of Moncrief was one of the main areas where the land rent um, uh, was offered, but you're saying that any government land sold uh, uh, comes with this option. So uh, it, how does the dispersal of uh, locations um, spread across the city? Well, look, I, I should be very clear and say that land rent is only available on new blocks of land released by the Land Development Agency. Uh, by definition, and I should say single residential blocks, by definition, while the LDA certainly do release and, and, uh, and, and manage developments all throughout the city, the single residential product is very much limited in those areas where new home estates are, which is, which is typically out on the fringe or exclusively out on the fringe. So, yes, we've got a, a number of development fronts here in the ACT. Gungahlin is the one that's been running, I guess, the longest in recent memory, and it's certainly been the one that's captured the majority of the land rent since the scheme's been in place. We've got a new development front, uh, which has been underway for a number of years now in Malonglo, uh, and another development front, which is an interesting one, in that it butts right up to the border here in the ACT uh, to the northwest, um, called Riverview, and that's coming on stream, we think, in the next 12 months, and there will certainly be many land rent opportunities, uh, I think, in that particular area as well. Wow. So as, as I look at these numbers, uh, people involved in the Land Rent Initiative should be saving some $14,000 a year in interest uh, on a comparable uh, borrowing by avoiding paying uh, uh, interest to the banking um, structure. Is, are they the sort of numbers you've crunched? Yeah, that, that's about right. And, and there's certainly been the critics of the Land Rent Scheme in, with respect to um yeah, in, in any sort of normal real estate market, the, the price of the land goes up and the price of the property comes down. So you know, the arguments about you're paying rent on the part that goes up and you never own it and you're paying off the part that comes down in value. Arguably, we've not seen a lot of evidence of that. We have seen uh, an increase in all the proportion of values across the ACT, particularly out in new home estates. They're still highly desirable. Canberra is like many other cities going from a proportion of fringe development to a, uh, a, a, a which typically dominated now to a to a regime of urban infill and urban renewal and densification so yeah you know, the, the opportunities for new single homes out on the fringe are actually over time starting to 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 shrink so we are seeing reasonable capital gains uh, right across the house and land package together um, so in terms of building wealth, and I guess importantly, this, the distinction here, this is a product aimed at those who are stuck in a high-priced rental market and all your rent just goes out the door. For the same sort of dollars, and in many instances less, uh, you are building equity. Now, admittedly, you're building equity just in the construction part of your house and land, but building equity unlocks many doors as, I guess, you make your way um, through any sort of um, you know, life cycle of increasing incomes. Um, and capital growth. So, as I said, it's a it's a low barrier to entry. It's a great wealth accumulation tool, and many people are now taking uh, enjoying the benefits of that. As we um, push in on these numbers, uh, what we're really talking about is instead of a five or six hundred thousand dollar mortgage, it's it's something like two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So, what sort of income? Uh, levels are required to service a, a $200,000 mortgage compared to a five dollars or $600,000 mortgage. How many more uh, people um, aged uh, 25, 
30 are able to afford um, to buy into the market under this system? Well, there's many, and I guess a, a neat way of describing it is to talk about the, the all-important income quintiles, and it's something that we're very focused on here in the ACT. So, so quintile one, your bottom 20% of income earners in the ACT, I think the cutoff there is around about thirty dollars to $35,000 annual income. While that is still too far a reach to get into the land rent scheme, that's very well serviced here in the ACT by a considerable amount of public housing stock and a very well-run portfolio of um, ACT public housing. It's the quintile two where land rent really makes a difference. So once mm. you start to get up into the 50,000s, 60,000s and topping out at about 90,000 household income, it brings home purchase well and truly within the reach. And I think some of our numbers we've crunched have got um, uh, household incomes of, of high 50s, uh, close to 60,000 being the entry point particularly for some of the more compact blocks that we've seen out in, in greenfield estates from previous years. So while some listeners out of the states might think, wow, that's a lot of money for a household income, in the ACT we do enjoy a higher level of average income, I guess thanks to our predominantly public sector workforce. On that front, uh, you mentioned earlier something that gets uh, us very excited at Prosper Australia and that is your nation-leading reform to uh, replace stamp duties with a, a more broad-based uh, land tax or site value rating system that you have in the ACT. Uh, that, that's some four years into um, its 20-year uh, program there and how, how are you, you seeing uh, this uh, progressive reform? It's been obviously well received by those who were facing significant stamp duty burdens when it came to home purchase. So, you know, your average first home buyer now in the ACT can enjoy a complete exemption from stamp duty. Um, so, you know, the rates of home ownership um, are certainly uh, looking better than what they were in, in, in recent years. Sorry, Simon, could you actually repeat that? You're saying that first home buyers don't pay any stamp duty under this system? That is correct. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, quite a, a hit to your um, short-term revenue base, I imagine. It is, but at the same time, there has been a, a revisiting of the rates base, and obviously, the rates base is a, a much broader tax base. And you know, I think it's 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 fair enough that rather than targeting new home buyers or those who do pay stamp duty on any form of um, um, property purchase be funding, I guess, services that are uh, made available to the wider community. So clearly, uh, you know, it, it's fairly logical to say that if you are going to decrease the burden on, on home buyers, then of course you'd, you'd, you'd need to recoup that money elsewhere. And, and, and over time, the rates have been nudged up, but it's a much broader taxation base, which uh, I think a lot of the Canberra community are accepting is, is a more equitable way of, um, of spreading the, uh, the load. And how uh, is your um, proactive education program going, overcoming some of the, the short-term self-interested thinking that comes about um, from some sections of the property lobby and uh, you know, those who do feel a pinch in, uh, who are asset rich and income poor? Yes, well, there, there, there's certainly some that um, you know, haven't got the capacity to pay rates that others do. So there's always a consideration of those ageing in place. There's been a number of programs aimed at those particular people, again, waiving a lot of property taxes if they choose to uh, to move on from their home. 
I think, again, if we're just talking economics 101, uh, it's an inefficient use of resources to have, to have uh, you know, large homes, I guess, sitting largely empty. And while we absolutely accept the wishes of, of, of residents to remain in place, we're certainly trying to incentivise them to, to think about their use of housing. And I guess the taxation base is another um, lever that can be pulled in order to, to try and get them to make that decision. That was Simon Tennant from the ACT government. He's the director of their affordable housing plan. Great to have him on the show, revealing some much-needed detail on uh, Australia's most innovative housing affordability package. So there we heard there were 1,800 people who have uh, taken up the offer to rent the land and save some ten dollars to $14,000 a year in interest paid to banks. Instead, sending that the government's way and uh, delivering the government some $12.5 million a year, which can be used to uh, offset the need for other taxes. It really is important what's happening in Canberra and was great to have a government representative on the show to explain to us something that we feel should be rolled out uh, more fully around the nation, and that is uh, people having the opportunity to avoid these damaging Uh, stamp duty taxes that add some thirty odd thousand dollars onto your mortgage and that leads to uh, thousands of dollars uh, over the life of that mortgage in extra interest uh, charged so we really don't need those sort of costs when we're trying to deal with uh, our education debts when we've got 10 percent sales taxes and so many people struggling along on part-time hours so uh, great to hear that the program's alive and well and also that uh, things are moving positively for the ACT's uh, nation-leading reform to replace stamp duties with a, a broader based land tax system they're able to do that in Canberra using their council rating system for local government they only have two tiers of government in the nation's capital And from that, uh, the site value rating component of uh, the council rates has been increased to uh, give people buying into uh, the real estate game, first homeowners in the ACT, a, a complete holiday from stamp duty, not having to pay it but uh, in the understanding that their, their land tax uh, component to their council rates will be increasing over time as they phase out stamp duty over 20 years and increase land taxes. Now the question is, will this top-notch public policy withstand the pressures of the property lobby? And my am I travelling, having a bit of time to think about things and looking at the macro view of what's happening in Australia. We've had report after report from uh, governments of all levels, from all sorts of tax inquiries, from all sorts of NGOs, private consultancies, saying that, look, we need to do what they're doing in Canberra. We need to get rid of stamp duty and replace it with land tax. But what do we see in the end? Up here in Queensland, affordable housing has virtually been wiped out with the land tax threshold, the dollar at which it starts, having increased from $540,000 to $600,000 here. So that's basically giving first-time property investors a free pass. 
First home buyers are, are left competing with these property investors who barely have to pay a cent back to government for being able to sit and wait for the value of the location they own to go up in value. So that's the game that's going on around the country. When you add that to uh, what was getting me fired up last week with the privatisation of the land titles offices, this is going to add 25% onto research costs just as Google Earth and geospatial analysis is tipped to bring us unprecedented levels of economic analysis within communities. Property lobby is working to write that off and cover their trails by hiding the incredible windfall gains they make from real estate. And then in Victoria, we're, we're pretty well reeling in the fact that there's a new Local Government Act review. And within that review, there is a push to remove site value rating so that uh, we could never do what they've done in Canberra by increasing the site value component to your council rates to cover the cost of removing stamp duty. So that's a huge move there. These three aspects are coming at us. That really is the challenge of the times to unwind the incredible power, the real estate lobby, the rent seekers have over those who are involved in productive labor, productive business. That's what we want to see more of. And that's why I'd love to see uh, some of our supporters attend our 125th Henry George annual dinner. Yes, the 125th annual dinner is coming up on Thursday, September the 8th with Prosper Australia President Catherine Cashmore. So she's working on a uh, blitzkrieg of information to again put forward this case that uh, the rising value of the earth is a gift to us all, not just to uh, so-called property owners. All right, my name's Carl Fitzgerald. Thanks very much for listening to The Renegade Economist.